Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at all the Premiership action, including trying to figure out what happened to Bath. Then we'll be joined by former Wales and British and Irish Lions scrum half Mike Phillips to chat all about his fallout with Warren Gatlin and missing out on the 2015 World Cup squad. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. How's your week been, lads? Andrew, you're on holiday again. I'm jealous. So do you want me to hit you with what I've got, my mundane week, or do you want to talk us through your business class flights to Dubai, the United <laughs> Arab Emirates, and what's going on on holiday again? Mate, it's just, you know, you've got to plan well, James. So it's the twins' fourth birthday. It was yesterday. And they just said... Happy birthday. I asked them, I said, Olivia, Isabella, what do you want to do? And they went, Daddy, we want to go to Dubai. So I'm like, no problem, guys. Oh, my word. No, we'll go for two weeks. If two weeks you want to go, because there's two of you, yeah, we'll go for two weeks. So here we are. The belly's out around the port. I'm... Again, I love coming on holiday. And the reason I do this is let's not forget, James, for 18 years as a professional rugby player, I walked into a changing room every day and I'm looking at blokes. You farted. I, I probably did Sorry. fart, yeah, most days, <laughs> to be honest. But I'm looking at blokes, apart from when we were in the same changing room, with bodies to aspire to. And now I come on holiday, I'm around the pool, and I've got one of the best rigs around the pool. It's not great. Not great. There's a lot of thongs on show. Um, and I thought about... Get some videos, get some pictures, some voyeurism, send them over. <laughs> I thought about showing my budgie smuggler thong uh, that the lad sent us, but no, I'm just going shorts. We're by the pool. The kids are loving it. We've been to Nobu. I found, and I know my favorite Frenchman is the head chef at Nobu, uh, Damien. And we just had loving life, James. You just got to put the kids first. That's what I've done. They wanted to come to Dubai. We've put them first. We flew over. We're having a, an amazing time. Well, my kids asked on their birthday, they said to me, I said, kids, what do you want? And Max and Freya said, Daddy, I want you off your phone. <laughs> and I did. And I did. You gave I an did hour? for the day. For, oh, for the whole day? Screen time was down from about seven hours to about two. So, <laughs> I, yeah, very different contrast, Andrew, in our house. But uh, what's happened this week? Me and Beck had a fallout at the weekend. Oh, no. Big fallout. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had the weekend away. I so said the weekend. We were away... Thursday, Friday, got back home Saturday. Went out to play Paul on Friday night, all kicked off. Because you were away Thursday, Friday at Brad Barrett's testimonial, weren't you? Yes, got up on stage, spoke, basically did the same sketch as I did in Glasgow that went down a shit sandwich and I got a standing ovation. I basically got carried out of Brad Barrett's <laughs> testimonial. I thought it was my testimonial. <laughs> Sat next to Francois Pina, just talking all things leadership. Um, very humble and experienced, but I'm back. Anyone who wants to book me, I am back. I've got this sketch that went down like a shit sandwich in Glasgow, but I was a king in London. But on the Friday, me and Bat came back to Edinburgh, went out and played Paul, and she's... She's a baller, right? So anything from, you know, like throwing basketballs into a hoop and having a competition, Paul, darts, like she's good. Didn't she play netball for England or something? Yeah, she played netball for England. And she, when she was at school and stuff, she was in the GBR. I don't even know what that is, team, for athletics. No idea. No, I mean, who does have that? athletics? Not me. Um, <laughs> Paul, she's unbelievable. Like, anyway, she won the first set 2-0. And it was the best of three games. So basically, in my mind, it's like, right, first of three, she wins 2-0. She wins the first set. Second one, it's like, right, I'm gonna, if I win this back, it goes to the third one. Obviously, I'm thinking, I've got a chance here. Uh, just correct me if I'm wrong. Sets is tennis, but I mean, what, what, what game are you playing, son? Well, what is it in pool then? Ra- it's racks. Is it? Hey! <laughs> genuine. Yeah, genuine racks. So, Beck, Beck first rack, unbelievable. Second rack, unbelievable again. She's winning the first game comfortably on the black, pots the black and the white. I'm cheering. <laughs> I'm on to win the second rack. And second game, second game, pots the black early. So it's now two racks all. 
Is it that genuinely rack or are you having me on I'm, it? I'm telling you it's racks. And I said, right, third game. I said, third game, we'll just do one. Winner takes all. Loser gets up in the morning with the kids. She wouldn't do it. What? Filthy. She said, oh, I don't know, like, like I'm taking the piss out of her or whatever. Because I'm jumping around the pool table. You're jumping around the pool table celebrating beating your missus at pool. But we were we were level. That was the thing. We were level. But it was more me. I, I, it wasn't. A, I wasn't taking the piss out of her. It was the fact that she potted the black twice. Well, the black and the white, then the black. Anyway, my, my point being is, yeah, don't go away with your messes and play pool because <laughs> we didn't speak for two days, which isn't a bad thing. But the kids are starting to think, mummy and daddy have been away. They should come back, revitalized, recharged, ready to go. Dad sat there on his phone and mum's wandering around the house not talking to dad. Well, we'll talk more about the rugby in a moment, but don't forget, we're making our comeback to the streets of Cardiff on Wednesday the 3rd of November for a live show in the run-up to the Wales v South Africa game. It's on in the depot, so get your mates together for a massive night, and we'll have a couple of surprises there as well. Tickets are available on Eventbrite, so just go there and search for the Rugby Pod. It's just 20 quid, and you get a free pint of cores there as well. We'll get into the Premiership in a minute, but the England squad for the Autumn Internationals has been named... Goody, what have you made of it? Uh, yeah, I mean, the big thing is, and I, I like some of the selections, you know, we, we complain and we've complained on here and people have complained in the press previously of Eddie Jones just going with the same old, same old, the guys that he's trusted since getting to the World Cup final in 2019 um, and, you know, not really blood enough youngsters, not really given, you know, guys on form the premiership an opportunity and this squad, he's done it. I'm really excited about it, to be honest. And there's always going to be questions about really? it. Really? Yeah, I am. I am because... All right. He's changed as a person, I reckon, Eddie Jones, in terms of his selection. Because a year, two years ago, he used to say Premiership form doesn't really matter. You know, it's not really relevant to the international game. And now he's picking players that are, you know, bang on form in the Premiership. Look at Nick Dolly. Now, we're going to have the debate around Jamie George, and I'll get it out there first, Jim. I cannot believe that Jamie George isn't in the England squad. But someone like Nick Dolly, who's burst onto the scene this year, played at, at Leicester and scoring tries for fun off the back of it at strong driving mall. It's given him an opportunity off the back of premiership form. I'm not saying for one minute that I don't think Jamie George should be in the squad. I think he should. But we're looking at Adam Radwan. We're looking at Tommy Freeman. Again, these youngsters that are coming through. We're on now a two-year breakdown to the World Cup in 2023. And what a lot of us in the press, and and you know, I look at it from an England fan, but also what I watch week in, week out in the premiership, We've been craving for players like Harry Randall, Marcus Smith on form, you know, these sort of guys, Alex Dombrandt, Sam Simmons to be picked. And the coincidental thing is the guys that he's dropped that he always just goes back to, Billy Vunapola, Mako Vunapola, George Ford, these guys that have been picked at times for England when everyone's screaming for other people to be picked and he's not picked them this time. Those guys are actually playing really well as well. So it's a really interesting selection. You know, there's a lot of excitement around the, the likes of Adam Radwan. Um, you know, you look at the backs, Marcus Smith, you know, is he going to start Harry Randall ahead of Ben Young's? Well, you know, Rafi Quirk's come in as well as a, another option off the bench, potentially a youngster. Did you hear what uh, Alex Anderson said about Rafi Quirk? Go on. He said he could be one of the country's greats. Really? quote yeah 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 that's how highly he spoke of yeah he's got a hell of a try at the weekend yeah he did he did and, and this is the thing so you know for me as someone that you judge eddie jones when he names a squad every time and you look at it and you go how oh, isn't he picked him he's on form why hasn't he picked him this time i think he's genuinely picked the players on form in the premiership and he's given a lot of young fresh meat the opportunity to to play against Tonga and Australia and, and then South Africa. And it'll be a challenge. It'll be a massive test. I think a lot of it is around, you look at the way England have played over the last 18 months. It's been kick chase, you know, hardly play with the ball in hand. And you can't play that sort of game with these players that he's picked. So I'm excited about hopefully seeing England, not just throwing caution to the wind flippantly and chucking the ball around everywhere, but having a much more attacking mindset. I'm genuinely excited about it. You can debate around the Vunipola boys and Jamie George and George Ford, who, yeah, George Ford's probably playing the best rugby he's played in five years for Leicester at the minute, but it ain't good enough to get in the England squad because I think where Eddie Jones used to pick some of these guys on reputation, let's not forget we finished fifth in the Six Nations last year. So if you continue doing the same thing, you're going to get the same results potentially. And this is Eddie's opportunity to, um, you know, give a lot of these players an opportunity where, you know, other people perhaps wouldn't have. Just on the Saracens players that you've mentioned there, I think personally, take the Saracens stuff out of it, they've been hard done by off the back of playing a season in the championship, being picked when they weren't on form, 
going to a British and Irish Lions tour, not on form. And we can talk about Owen Farrell being captain. And then we can talk about the form of the players probably a little bit after that. But I think that they've been judged on a time in which they weren't playing well and probably at that point shouldn't have been picked. And now they're not in the mix. I don't think there's any way back. I can't see if the way that they're playing now, there's a way that they can get back in unless there's an injury. Unless Eddie flips it again. I don't, it's so hard to read, isn't he? I'm the same as Goody. Jamie George has been one of the leading hookers in the world, in the world for the last three or four years, unquestionably. And then he's had a quiet season and he's gone on the Lions tour, hardly played, and then he's been dropped out of the squad, having not played any rugby. So what are you judging him on? So it's in that sense, it is a big call. Billy, understand, you've got Don Brandt, who's absolutely carving up, unproven, international level. Sam Simmons, who looks great. Can he step up to test rugby? I don't know. Maybe it's just one of them. It's just their, their time's up. That's it, you know? And, and that's the way that Eddie, that's his prerogative. And we've seen before when players should have played, not played. And now we're saying that players who were in there, who we didn't think should have been in there, to get back in there, and he's, and he's not picked them. Yeah, I, I think the big thing for me is around how England have played over the, the last 18 months. Since we got to the World Cup final, we have regressed in terms of how we attack. You know, you think of that game against New Zealand in the semi-final and how we you know, put immense pressure under the All Blacks team and you know physically dominated them, played quick at times as well. And you know, the, the scoreline I, like I didn't... That. Well, the scoreline I didn't think actually reflected the whole game. Um, but you get to the semi-final and you beat the All Blacks. Then you get to the final and we didn't necessarily turn up for the final. And then actually you think about all the games we've played since then. We finished fifth in the Six Nations. We, you know, we played this long, boring kicking game, which, you know, that's all I could do in my career, but I retired fucking years ago. So I'm excited about now, hopefully, Eddie Jones having a, a real mental shift on how he sees the game played because he talked about last year, he talked about, oh, we're going through this defensive phase, didn't he? And there was a lot of other teams not in this defensive phase playing in a different way. But that was Eddie's way at the time. Um, and with the likes of, you know, Rafi Quirk and Radwan and, um, you know, a lot of the younger guys that I've mentioned, they ain't got the fear of anything. They just want board in hand and, and to play quick. And, um, you know, Freddie Stewart gets the ball at fullback. He looks to attack Max Malins as well. You know, they haven't got this kind of kicking mentality in them. They've got this attacking mentality in them. Marcus Smith, imagine him at 10 being able to pull the strings with a forward pack that's dominant going the front foot um, in an England jersey. I think that's why I'm quite excited about it. You know, I'm really looking forward to seeing this. We'll, we'll beat Tonga without a shadow of a doubt. And it's a weakened Tonga team coming to Twickenham. But then we play a, a, a rejuvenated Australia team who have beaten South Africa. Um, and we play in the Springboks after that who have just beaten New Zealand. So it is, without playing the All Blacks, it's the acid test of, of, of the Southern Hemisphere. And some of these guys are, you know, unproven at international level of course they are but they've got to start somewhere and where they're starting at the minute is with quality form week in week out in the premiership and Eddie Jones is finally listening and watching it do you think Eddie Jones had a watchful eye on on the wreck over the weekend he was there he was watching what were your thoughts on the game Swino Marrow <laughs> Max Malins I mean I actually feel I'm going to say I feel sorry for Bath a little bit because I this sounds ridiculous that first half, in my opinion, wasn't a reflection of how badly Bath played. Now, some people listening to it will look at it superficially and be like, what the hell are you talking about, Jim? You know nothing. And you're probably right. <laughs> the scoreline does not reflect how Bath played in that first half. Now, I'm going to go through my points of feeling sorry for people, and then we can jump back in and open them up. Fair play to Stuart Hooper for coming out and doing an interview after the game. I don't know if you saw Sarah's interview, but she's asking him, Basically, you're the right man for the job. She's like, worst defeat at home ever. And she's asking some hard questions. And, he, and he's fronting up. And if it was me, and we love Sarah, and she asked the right questions, I think I would have put my head through the camera. I'll be honest. <laughs> he stood there. He stood there. He's taken it. And he's not cried. I would have cried. I would have smashed the camera. And I probably would have got my car and drove off. So he's fronted up on what arguably is their worst result. It definitely is. Okay, well, it is. I, I don't ever I don't ever see a result in terms of the scoreline as bad as that. Tell me no. if I'm wrong, Goody. Anyway, no. the way that Saracens played defensively and physically was unbelievable. Yeah. Like their defense, their, their physicality, but their transition. So when they got the ball, Bath were absolutely fact. 
they and I've been in games like this before, not for Scotland, actually playing for Saracens against Wasps, Goody. You remember it when we got 50, whatever it was, when Nathan Hughes, of all people, was running a mockery at Allianz Park, as it was called there. It's called the Stone X. I've been in games where it's just the opposition are unplayable. That was what Bath faced at the weekend. The ball bounced the right way. Saracens didn't have many opportunities in that first half. They took them. The physicality Bath struggled with and the scoreline just got away with it. And I've got to speak frankly, Sips didn't look interested. They took him off after 40-something minutes early on. And I didn't know whether Saracens would be at the races completely this year. We said it. I th- you know, I said they make the top four. But on that performance alone and watching some of their big players in terms of we've just gone through them, Mako, Jamie, obviously Marrow. I, I, I wouldn't put Swinnow in that. You know, he's just there to, to fill a void um, at the minute. But Ben Earl, obviously Billy, Faz, Nick Tompkins, I thought was unbelievable. Yeah. Max Malins as well into that mix. Some of the young lads that they're bringing off the bench. Lazowski, excellent, excellent. So now you're thinking actually off the back of that, yes, but I, again, I'll say it again. I feel for Bath. I don't think the scoreline reflected that until the second half where it was touch rugby, unfortunately. Yeah, mate. It did look as if it was like a training run. Once they were 20-odd points up, it was effectively a training run and, and, and Saracens were pulling moves out. And there was even one instance where they scored the try in the corner and you hear it on camera. Alex Goode says, I told you that'd work because it was if they could just try anything. And the moves that you dream about sometimes on the training paddock and, and you try and execute and you mess around with them, whatever. It was just coming off like you wouldn't believe. And like you said, Jim, the Saracens were phenomenal. They really were. Some of the Bath boys, I didn't think they had the fight in the shirt at times, you know, and I don't know whether that's because Saracens were so physically dominant that for me, maybe it wasn't a, an effort issue. Maybe it was just a complete overpowering. And, you know, the classic example, Faz hands off Cipriani like Cipriani doesn't want to make a tackle. And, you know, that sounds harsh, but it was, it was true. And, and, yeah, sometimes when you're looking at talisman in your team and you're looking for leaders, there wasn't a lot of that at all in the Bath team, but there was it was in spades in the Saracens team. And there's no doubt they're back in the Prem. They've got a point to prove because they took a lot of heat over the, the salary cap scandal. And they've come back and, yeah, I mean, Jim, you, you didn't give them a chance really early in the season, did you? They, say, you know, they, they, they might just make the top four. Well, that performance is... One of the best performances we've seen in a, from any Premiership team for quite some time. Um, it was, it was as good, if not better. I don't know. It's very different, but as good as what Quinn's produced against Bristol the week before. Maybe Stuart Hooper. People are questioning: Is he the right man for the job? Um, you know, has he got that squad playing for him? And on that performance, well, well speak frankly, it's not easy to sit here and, and, and open up other coaches. And I've mentioned me and Hoops had an interaction. Uh, we're doing some stuff with Rugby Pass, but clearly not is the answer to that question. Yeah. Is it not? They've not won a game this season. And you look at the squad, good, you look at their squad. They've got, like, on, on paper, they've got a really good squad. They've got England internationals, they've got British and Irish Lions players in that, in that squad. They've got some players that are on a lot of money in that squad. And something's obviously not right. And you look, though, as well, with other clubs... They've made big decisions in terms of recently, and we don't want to go down the football route of hoops being sacked, and that's that. But look recently what clubs have done. Uh, you look at Quinns, the turnover of coaches that they've gone through in order to get it right. It, it happens. Do you know what I mean? Like whether or not we like it or not, and rugby is different, but ultimately there needs to be a change there. Look at Quinns. That's probably the headline one. They get rid of the head coach mid-season, they win the bloody league. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Bath can do that. You know, and look at Leicester. My goodness me, the transformation in that. And sometimes when you have people that deep-rooted and that close to it and that emotionally embedded, it's some it's it's hard to see, isn't it? Love is blind. Love is blind. Look at me, the philosopher's stone. Love is blind. Um, but I don't want to see hoops just be, be you know thrown out and then they bring someone else in. Like Steve Diamond's name has been thrown around to come in and take the reins. It's obviously deep-rooted in terms of the situation at Bath. Look at their history over recent years. I've always said it. Uh, they're a club that is just, I don't know, just hard to work out the direction in which they're going because they've got some wicked players and it's a, an awesome place to play rugby. Just quickly, Jim, you got some extra insight into how well things are going at Saracens, didn't you? Andrew, did you listen to my interview? I haven't had a chance yet, James, because I'm on holiday. And what I will say is someone pointed me in the direction of some comments on Twitter about it. 
I'm sure they did. And basically someone said that I didn't have the bottle to go on the interview. No, 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 I'm in Dubai, lads. That's why Jim went and did the interview with Neil Golding on his own. It was an exclusive Jim Hamilton interview. I've got all go and ask the tough questions as well, ladies and gentlemen. I ain't bothered, but I'm on holiday and family is more important to me and holidays are too. Absolutely. It would have been nice to do a duo. I don't know how comfortable it would have been in the room if you had your notes from Lord Dyson and opened up the information. I was very superficial with mine, but look, it was great. I spoke to Neil Golden. It was a rugby pod special, spotters pod, 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 pod special, but it was good. He opened up to me. He was transparent as he could be. What more can we ask for? You can still get that interview on Spotify, free to everyone. So go and check it out. On Bath, um, things were pretty similar for Worcester on the weekend, weren't they? Against Leicester. I mean, your Timberland boots, Jim, they're safe, aren't they? Genuinely, I've bought a new pair. I, I, I know, I've genuinely bought a new pair and then I had the models wearing them in at the weekend, saw the result and thought, these puppies are safe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, to be fair, I don't know whether to talk about Worcester and, and, and how inept they were at times, the amount of turnovers and loose kicking and all this stuff, but actually, it was all about Leicester, really. Their power game, you know, you look at the squad they're Namani. built now. Yeah, you look at the... Just them. Yeah, you look at the squad they're built now uh, and again, I mentioned Jordan Murphy before, he had a lot to do with a lot of these players that are at the club now. When you talk about Nandolo, when you talk about the likes of Jasper Visa, um, the young lads coming through, Freddie Stewart, um, you know, a lot of the signings were made by Jordan. But what they've done is they've moved away from him. There's been a seismic change in terms of Steve Borthwick getting in charge and going back to what they feel their identity is last season. Now they're adding that on. Yeah, their set piece is dominant, isn't it? Ellis Genge was phenomenal at the weekend. Montoya's back from Argentina, um, so he starts. You've got Nick Dolly coming off the bench, who's just sprung into action and, and fitted in so well in a Leicester jersey. You know, you've got Van Staden coming back from South Africa now, Jasper Visa, Nandolo, George Ford on fire. He's got a point to prove. He's got the bit between his teeth, whereas sometimes over the last couple of years, when George Ford knows he's 100% playing for England, as he always necessarily put everything into a Leicester jersey at times yes and at other times no but you know everything is is working for them you know they're they've got a nice balance of their game you know, some youngsters in there as well and Harry Potter the magician just creating tries and scoring them as well it was a all-court game by Leicester but it was again it was a bit too easy from what Worcester put up in front of them they dropped off tackles and you know it's it's tough for Worcester sometimes we might see a few of these scores this year because when there's no relegation, you know, is there that ultimate desperation from teams at times? Uh, and we'll find out a bit more about that as the season goes on. But yeah, I mean, Leicester were fantastic. Played 5-1-5, their best ever start to a premiership season. You know, you're looking at them and little momentum things make huge differences. That performance against Saracens when they should have lost at home, um, you know, that last try that we spoke about shouldn't have counted. It should have been flipped because Dan Kelly, you know, the, the penalty should have been reversed. But they are momentum swings in a season. Um, you come on to someone like London Irish who have been in really close games, drawn a couple, you know, lost a couple, little momentum shifts like that when you win a close one and Leicester are just going, you know, on the up and up and up now. You mentioned Rafi Quirk earlier uh, getting in the England squad. How impressed were you with him in sales win over Quinns on Friday night? A couple of headlines out of that. Manu Tuolangi as well. He is looking very good. Very good. I don't want to get carried away because he's had some injury problems, as we know. I think it came out that he'd lost X amount of kgs. Andrew, you probably work better on losing and gaining kgs, but I think it was six or something. Yeah, which I heard six, six or seven. You, is it not? Yeah, just one mate was at, it? at Nobu. Yeah, <laughs> just one <laughs> Nobu dinner. You'd have to eat a lot of sushi for six kgs worth anyway. But look, Sale don't look like they're playing amazingly well. That game went right down to the wire. They obviously got a pick and goo at the end. Well, Ruffy Quirk got the pick and goo at the end. Uh, but they, I, I like Sale. I like the way they play. They're physical. I just feel like they need to maybe add, add a couple of different layers to their game. They look thin at 10 when AJ McGinty's not playing. We've said that before. Mm. But the South African depth that they've got in the squad and they've got some star players, they need to keep Manu fit. He adds such a big difference to them, to, the, to that team. So, I mean, the forward power from Sale was phenomenal. You know, the way... They tried to bully Quinns at times, didn't they? I mean, tell the drives that. There was a couple that were going 20, 30 metres at a rate of knots as well, weren't they? How good is it to see the driving line out back across the board? Oh, I mate, love it. I love a driving line out, mate. I mean, to the cowsheds and back. All I'm thinking, whenever I see a driving line out, all I'm thinking is Big Jim 
with his back to the opposition. Shaking the toothy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hard me. Exactly. That I'm sitting on like if I if I ever felt someone hit me, I'd be like sitting on them, like on the way down, like pushing them on the floor <laughs> and then running over them. Well hard. Uh, but yeah, no, so Tom Curry was great for sale. Um he's a real pest, a real nuisance, a real nause around the breakdown. You know, Quinns gave twenty one penalties away. You just can he do that in any game of rugby and expect to win. But they nearly did Quinns. They Sale created a few errors. The try straight up from the kickoff in the second half where, you know, sometimes you're half asleep. You've just come out of the changing rooms. Vise has gone up for the kickoff and I'm thinking again, Jim Hamilton, straight through the hands. Like normally it's straight off the forehead, but I was thinking Jim Hamilton, straight through the hands, ball bounces, Manu's asleep. He doesn't pick it up and then... Uh, it's Manu's fault. That's, we just talked to him. That's his fault. That's his fault there. I'll give you some nuances to the kickoff. You go up, it gets caught in the lights. It's windy. You are praying that it either comes off your forehead or someone's behind you. <laughs> Worst nightmare. Yeah. Worst what, nightmare. Yeah. And what I will say is Tom Curtis, uh, we mentioned it last week um, when I mentioned around he had the kick to win the game for sale against Gloucester with that last conversion and, and the shed were very quiet and he missed it. It's a tough kick. This time he comes off the bench and he's got spuds of steel. Um, you know, he's got a kick to put them ahead again, which was effectively the winning kick. I know they get the picking goo at the end, um, which puts the gloss on it. But the penalty from 45 metres out on the angle struck it really well. And, and as a kicker, and he's a very young man who's just starting his way out in the game, when you've missed one the week before to win a game, the next one you take to effectively win another game, it's it's a very, very tough thing to you know, hold all in the emotions, not think about the miss from last week. And he struck it beautifully. It's a dead shot for Tom Curtis. Quinns, will they be, they'll be bothered. I was going to say, I'm a bothered. Um, they'll be bothered about their performance because their discipline was poor. But they were out-muscled at times. The physicality that Sale brought, they knew they were going up north to get banged about. And they couldn't put their fast-paced game on it at times. And they made too many errors. And you've got to credit Sale and their energy and defence to do that. And I still see, I love Pete Anglesey still walking on there with the bottles, thinking whose dog should I be walking this week? You know, just <laughs> he used to always walk Steve Diamond's dogs. Then Mark Cueto did a bit of walking Diamond's dogs. Then Diamond's left. Pete Anglesey still there. Bring the water carriers. I wonder if Alex Anderson's got some dogs that he walks. I'm not too sure if he's got dogs, but he's probably more of a cat man. You know them cats that are like completely bold with like really bright blue eyes. That's more That's the edginess that Alex Anderson would bring. But look, Pete Anglesey will be there with a shit bag ready to go either way because <laughs> they're, they're ready in his back pocket. Newcastle scraped home over Bristol. Is it time to start worrying about the beers now? Oh, I think a little bit. Jim, the Oracle, Hamilton, that's what we're going to call you from now on, Jim, the Oracle, Hamilton. Because you said they ain't making top four, Jim, and right now they're second bottom. We're talking to four. They're on four points. So I don't want to be horrible to them, but you have to speak frankly, don't you? They're second from bottom. And I know we're only four or five games into the season, so you don't want to call it early, but... Momentum's everything. Yeah. And I'm sure that they're going to improve. They're desperate for Semi to get back. We all are. It's a long time off though, that. That's, it's a good four-month injury, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's hard to call. It is. But look, you've got to say it frankly. They're struggling. Newcastle's not an easy place to go and win. We know that. But it's the manner in some of their defeats. They look so easy to score against. I don't know whether that's because of the way that they play in terms of throwing everything into attack. We've spoken about it. Where's the plan B? The C, when everything's open, I mean, they play a fantastic style of rugby. Like, yeah. let's put that out there. But ultimately, it's about winning games, isn't it? So, I don't know. It's tough. You know, fair play to Newcastle. Fair play to Newcastle. They, they, I thought in the first half against Saris, they looked great. And they're making home a fortress. And it's a tough place anyway to go and play. But the more momentum you gather and the more you get in teams' psyche about going up there and, and big teams losing, like Bristol. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean, Jim. I, I, I think the one thing with Bristol in this, on this occasion, they've gone up to Newcastle. It's a tough place to go, yes. They've made a, a huge amount of changes. So, you know, we know Randrand was out injured. We know Piertau didn't play at the weekend. You know, you, you look in the centres. I think they're actually really missing Siali Piertau, who's now left the club. Um, you know, they're trying to play this game where they're firing it around everywhere. But that's all good and well when you've got Piertau at the back, when you've got Randrand in the centre, when you have Siali Piertau in the centre, when you can break tackles. You know, Nathan Hughes and Stephen Luatua, neither of those boys played. So you actually take out a lot of their go forward that they've had. And Nathan Hughes, I think, if we're being honest, hasn't performed well. I think he got dropped completely. Um, you know, questioned his form. You look at the team that 
Bristol put out. And we've now got this vision of Bristol last year because they finished top of the league. You know, they scored some electric tries. Um, you know, their best player on the field at the weekend was Harry Randall, who's about 65 kilos. But they haven't got the punch that they've had before. So when you are chucking it around in your 22, looking for an edge, looking for a weak shoulder, you've got semi Randranger breaking tackles and then everyone floods through. Or you've got Piertau stepping someone. They haven't got that at the minute. And they've got a lot of their boys like Luatua missing. Nathan Hughes has, you know, as I said, got dropped and hasn't been performing. You know, you take out Siali Piertau, Charles Piertau and Randranger, and it's half the team it was last year. Um, and that's the results that they're getting. And fair play to, to Newcastle's defence, you know. Nick Easter who's their defence coach up there, they've had some tough moments, you know, when they have been, you know, broken too easily and you you kind of looked at them as a team and thought, well, they're quite easy to score against, but they got everything bang on at the weekend. It was a pretty turgid game, but defensively they were working exceptionally hard for each other. Will Welsh in the back row was huge. It's, you know, Callum Chick, who's played himself into the England squad now as well. He played at six. He was great. And, you know, Mike Brown at fullback, just angry as you like. Having a pop at the ref, he tripped up Harry Randall, which the referee missed. Thought he could have had a yellow card, but there's a bit of spite and bite about Newcastle as well up there. And you know, Carl Ferns at eight. We all love Fernsey for his aggression and everything like that. So, you know, th- there's some good components to the Newcastle team, but Bristol are half the team they were last year at the minute, and they need to fix things pretty quickly. And you know, you can't just wait for Semi to come back to do that. Let's take a break from the Premiership now then and get a guest on with former Wales and British and Irish Lions scrum half Mike Phillips on the line. How are you, mate? Very good. Good to be on. Mike, it's class to have you. Just set the scene for us because Goody is in your stomping ground or one of your stomping grounds. Whereabouts is that? I'm out in Dubai, pal. I'm looking for, I'm going around the beaches looking for people that know Mike Phillips. No one knows you, mate. I keep asking, but no one knows you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have you been to any golf clubs? Uh, Mate, I've been to them all. Um, They they all remember Powley and know Powley, but uh, not Philzy, unfortunately. Uh, I'm I made, I made Pauli. I made it. So. <laughs> well, we'll get oh, so not, where are you? Set the scene. You're, yeah, you're not in Dubai. I'm in uh, my parents' house, West Wales, St. Clair's. So, yeah. So down Similar. Similar. Yeah. Good weather. Cows, cows <laughs> are in the background. So it's all good. <laughs> so you, you've moved back from Dubai then. How's things? I'm just back from my book. Book coming out this Thursday. So, um, yeah, just coming back to do all that and launching that and trying to do as much... Uh, well, press and things for that, really. So, yeah, looking forward to, you know, this week now and the next couple of weeks coming up. Well, let's just talk a little bit about your book and then we can get into some ruggers. It's called Half Truths. So, basically, this is... You're selling to millions on here, Mike. You're selling to millions. So, dangle the carrot and tell us, is there some juicy stuff in there? What does half truths mean? I mean, you need to hit me with that line first. What does that mean? Uh, I, well, I, it's just an opportunity, sort of... Um, I was involved in a few, sort of... Uh, stories along the way in my career. I was front and back pages at times, and I think uh, it's just it's an insight to everything, giving my sort of take on it all, really, and um, and not just and everything else that was going around. And I, I, you know, as we all know, rugby is uh, you know it's tough at times. There's highs and lows, and it just sort of an insight to the mindset and what was going on, really. And it's been in the papers today down here, so. Through through swipes of gats were in there today, but I mean it's all in perspective. And if you put it, you know, if you read the book, which is amazing, it's probably the best rugby book ever of all time. So. <laughs> Wouldn't expect um, anything else from you, mate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I think you know there's a few stories in there where people haven't heard. So there's one of me and Paulie actually um, in, in Cardiff, but no, there's a few in there. So I I think it's entertaining, and I think you know being as honest as I can be. So. Um, yeah I'm quite proud of it yeah mate it sounds amazing and obviously I've read a few extracts um, that have been out in the Wales online and everything today so um, talk to us about Gats then you know it it sounded like the start of the relationship was really rosy but towards the end and actually reading um, the extracts where you get an email saying you're not going to the 2015 World Cup after you know the time and effort and and devotion that you gave to that red jersey was was pretty brutal wasn't it yeah I mean Look, Gats was, uh, you know, I say this as well in the books. He was, he was brilliant to me. I just didn't quite understand the, the last bit. So I think it was a bit unnecessary at times. But, you know, this sort of cold shoulder stuff. And I, like I say in the book, you know, I knew when my time was coming to an end. And we all know it. We're not stupid as rugby players. You know, I would have preferred the sort of Mike, come here to have a, let's go and have a chat. You know, we're not going to pick you. We think your legs are gone, blah, blah, blah. But, um yeah, I just think it was a bit unnecessary. But, you know, I respect him. He was fantastic to me at the same time. But a few things let me down and sort of 
the email not to get into the World Cup. I thought it was a bit, you know, a bit, um, you know, as you know, you know, you're with each other day in, day out. Um, you try and build that family, that bond together. And then I just felt it was a uh, not a nice way to sort of let boys know that they weren't selected after putting in such a, a shift. Don't get me started on being dropped from the 2015 World Cup. Do not get me started on that. And Mike, I know you'll know my story very well, but it's not about my story. It is about yours. Um, have you spoken to Gats about this? Because obviously this stuff comes out, and I'm sure not that there'll be anything about me, but Powley and some of the people that you've been on your journey with are probably shitting themselves, thinking, do I feature any of these stories? But has Gatlin spoke to you or not? Have you spoke to Gats about the book or about what's about to come out? Are you just going to let him read it? No, I haven't. No. Um, <laughs> I love that, but but the, but but the person I put under the bus the most is myself. So I, I don't really throw anyone under the bus. I don't think, and I'm just quite honest. And you know, I kind of explain some of the things that I done to the, you know, to what I could remember. And yeah, you know, I think um, yeah, it's just an honest take on that. I, I don't think that I'm too harsh on anyone, really. I mean, one of the things I have read is that you were frustrated not only with how you were treated, but also how you felt other players were treated towards the end of the career, the likes of Adam Jones, um, Stephen Jones, et cetera, et cetera. Is this something that is, Gats just isn't great with, dealing with those emotions? Or, um, you know, I've spoken to him a couple of times, and, he, and at times he does feel very emotionless, doesn't he? Yeah, no, look, and it's a tough job. I mean, everyone, extremely tough, tough job for him. He's got to pick 15 players. Uh, he's got to let a lot of players down, et cetera. But, yeah, maybe, you know, that's where the WRU could come in and sort of look and say, look, we've got to send these boys off, um, I think, you know, in a in a sort of massive sort of showcase, and and to inspire the next sort of youngsters seeing that, and you know, I think, uh, you know, Adam Jones for me is probably one of the best not players I've ever played with. I think his value was incredible. If he wasn't in the team, you know, we would seriously struggle. So, yeah, I, d- I didn't like seeing that, and I think, you know, we we put so much in, and in a period where we were relatively successful as well. You know, I think we sort of moved, the, you know, the team forward and. Yeah, it's just I, I just kind of felt that it could have been done a lot better, and sort of, you know, given given the bit of a, a an up to the boys, and sort of say thank you in a way. Really, I don't know. Just let these people go. You know, I think you know a young prop to see Adam Jones come onto the field, just wave to the fans. Uh, everyone gives him a stand innovation. I'm on about me, you know. I think I'm on about. I should have had <laughs> in Adam Jones's body. <laughs> Mate, you, hey, geez, you wouldn't want to be in that body, uh, and that's me saying that as well. Uh, if I was in a scrum, I'd want to be in that body, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And anything about Dan Carter in there? We all want to know that. I mean, you're at Racing in Paris with DC, like I know him. Any stories of him in, in the book? Yeah, of course. Well, he's going to sell me. Oh, God. Pop. He's going to sell me from copies, isn't he? <laughs> um, no, that was a class to play with him. I mean, he was, we were the same age, uh, under 21s and things. And yeah, playing alongside, he was class. And what I like about him was, off the field, you love the love the beer, and you know you you would get on with everyone, and it was a good laugh, but world class as well. Never made a mistake. He was a bit annoyed I was better looking than him, but you know that's <laughs> questionable. <laughs> questionable. It's close. It's close. It's close. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't reckon it's close. This is the thing with Dan Carter. There's got to be something wrong with him somehow, somewhere, because he's good looking. He's tanned. He's lean. He plays like the best ten in the world for probably 15 years um you know people look at him and adore him is he got any flaws at all because maybe he's hung like a pip like a little squirrel he's or not. something he's, he's not picture, I, don't, he's I, don't, not. I, don't, I don't reckon he is either <laughs> it's got to be has he got hairy back tell us something hairy back no he's just honestly fant- I, i'd love to say something but he's top top guy we had a we went to monaco grand prix together it was i was you know that was a top night uh never drunk so much it was just he's a top guy and uh obviously world class on the rugby field yeah you know he deserves uh everything all the accolades he gets and he is genuinely down to earth and uh yeah i love how you quantify what a good lad is is by how much you drink with someone there's oh 100 100 100 good sense of humor yeah they work hard but you know i think that that uh, you know, you got to switch off and you got to enjoy yourself, and that's where you get to know people and grow. And you know, yeah, that's where people open up. I think. And on the flip side of that, then, not that Sam Warburton or Alan Wynne Jones aren't in that mould, but they're clearly not in looks. Sam Warburton's got the bod, but in terms of going out, drinking, enjoying themselves, you know, you had such a good Wales career, a great Wales career, and you had some fantastic players. Like, how was it in that environment? Was there a little bit of a kind of a split or a divide, or was everyone? 
thinking the same thing. Beat Scotland by 30 or 40 and head out into the mixer. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad re- that's uh, a bad result for Wales as well to only beat you by 30, Jim. <laughs> yeah, well, Gats was brilliant at the start. He would literally, uh, we played, uh, I think it was England, you know, in the pre-match. It was like, oh, guys, we're going to beat these today. We've booked a place in Cardiff. I'm going to have a big night uh, on the beers. And I was just like, that was just... That was fantastic for me, and and you know at the time there was Fowley in there, there was Lee Byrne, there was uh, a lot of boys who would just love that. And then obviously towards the end it was a bit, it was a bit like being back in school, and it was putting time caps on it, like oh you know allowed up until twelve. It was, it was a bit, it was too much for me. I just remember trying to start a conversation in the end, and everyone's head down and not saying much. I said, oh what you get up to in the weekend, boys? And Dan Bigger chirps up, he goes, oh Mike, I absolutely lost it on the weekend. I absolutely lost it. I'm thinking, oh, this is a good story. I mean, this is going to be mental. And uh, he said, yeah, I had a McDonald's and I had two bottles of Coke. And it was just like, you know what? <laughs> you mad, it's, you it's, mad it's breakfast. It's That's ta- fucking it's breakfast time, for me. <laughs> it's, it's, time for me to, it's time for me to retire now. So, yeah. Do you speak to Pauli much, Mike? We've had him on live shows and there obviously is the great big narrative around the golf buggy and he's told it a million times. It gets funnier and funnier every time. Everyone loves Andy Powell. He's a cult hero, not just in Wales, but I'd say globally. Uh, do you have much chats and interactions with him? Yeah, I was I was doing a, an event at Brecon a couple of weeks ago. So, um, oh. yeah, that was a big one. Yeah, but like Andy was mad. I mean, I've never met a guy whose grandparents had died about 18 times. I mean, I, I, I like Andy, you've got, you got to come up with a better excuse, mate. You can't be a... Uh, uh, on a Monday, like you look around, where's Andy, boys? Oh, it's his grandmother's funeral again. Um, it's, it's just, <laughs> he's, he's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And uh, yeah, a lovely guy, just got on with everyone, and, you know, top man. There's a few stories about him in there. And there's one where we went up to Cardiff and he stayed in my house. And I let that one for, for people to buy the book and read it. Do you watch the British and Irish Lions tour in the summer? I mean, it was pretty turgid at times. And, you know, I know you spoke in your book a little bit about Gats uh, and playing a very structured game, which is what a lot of the fans saw from the Lions, at, uh, you know, in Test 1-2 and partly through until Finn Russell came on. Um, you know, Does he need to be more flexible the way he coaches and, and the way he prepares teams? Is it something that held you back as an individual at all? Yeah, I was a bit, I was disappointed with... Um... You know, I'm not attached to rugby now. I mean, I, I'm looking at it from a purely entertainment point of view. I want to be entertained. I want to, you know, you want to see tries. You want to see exciting rugby. And I, and I just didn't really understand it, you know, with South Africans hadn't played together for so long. I just, and on the back of what happened in 2009, I, I felt that, you know, you have to play with tempo against them. They're big guys. You've got to move the ball around. And I think uh, I just didn't understand that at all. And just as a spectacle, I think it was pretty poor really you know as an advert to rugby I, I know it's tough when you're there and but yeah I, just, I was just pretty disappointed I know it's hard there was no fans but yeah I mean it was pretty poor wasn't it and I just didn't quite understand it really because I felt that they needed to play with tempo and move those big forwards around but yeah that's um, there we are it is what it is thanks Mike half truths it's out on 21st of October best of luck with it mate cheers cheers guys thank you very much cheers buddy. cheers Mike cheers, boy. cheers buddy cheers coming on mate good bloke good lad Good yeah. lad. Gave us loads. loads. Gave us absolutely <laughs> loads. It's one of them, isn't it? Like, buy the book. Buy the book. Yeah. Buy the book. You'll get the stories. But give us a bit. Give us the odd story. Come on. Give us something about Pauli that people definitely want to, uh, you know, to, to read the book then. He's dangled the carrot about a story about Pauli in Cardiff. Let's just, I can add a few bits to that. He's shat in a sink. He's <laughs> ripped off the doors. He's eaten 40 kebabs. He shaved his head. He shaved Gats's head. He's eaten Rob Howley's toenails and he's gone to training and he sat down Alan Wynne-Jones and then he won the lottery and then he went to another funeral. That's what he was trying to say. Get the book. Possibly. Possibly. Could be good. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's round up the rest of the Premiership action now. Then Wasps came close against Exeter, didn't they, Goody? Yeah, listen, Wasps, uh, there's a load of injuries at the club at the minute. Um, you know, we've got two lone players coming in last week. Uh, but Exeter. I love how your first line for your beloved Wasp is an excuse. It's not my, uh, I didn't say my beloved Wasp, did I? I just said Wasps. No, but you didn't need to. But if you, if you, could, you could have put that and it would have been seamless at the beginning. Well, what I'm going to say is. It was an excuse is, to start with. Go on. What I'm going to say is that's the line. And then, but actually, you look at the performance and, yeah, they're playing Exeter who are back on or getting back towards the Exeter form that we know and, and you know, people have enjoyed watching them. And Wasps, you know, a couple of driving uh, lines. Sorry, Andrew, can I cut you off? Can you call them Exeter Chiefs, please? Can you call what? them Chiefs? That's the name. What do I call please? them? Please. Thank you. Exeter. Okay. Yeah, the Chiefs, you know, the Exeter Chiefs. Is that better for you, James? Uh, the Exeter Chiefs, you. you know, they're back to some of their form, aren't they? Henry Slade is on fire. You know, they've got their oomph back up front. I think at one point, to be fair, we'll talk Johnny Hill. Johnny Hill, at one point in that game, was Wasp's best player. He couldn't catch a cold. He was giving penalties away like you wouldn't believe. But then he got his retribution. He scores the winner at the end. So fair play to Johnny Hill, my old lid. Um, yeah, listen, Wasps, they had a couple of decent driving line outs that took Exeter's pack apart in the first half. Um, you know, they second half, it was all Exeter though. And they, they defended really well at times. Um, but Exeter, a champion team. I know they didn't win it last year. They lost the final. They should have won. But they've had a bit of a rocky start to the season. And effectively... They're starting to really gain some confidence again. They're getting their Lions boys back um, and they've found their form. And, and Wasps, yeah, I think they go to Saracens this weekend. That could be a tough one with the injuries they've got. But they, you know, they're punching above their weight. Brad Shields is throwing his body around like you wouldn't believe. Thomas Young played well. Dan Frost at hooker. Thought he had a really good game. But yeah, Exeter were just too good on the day. Jim, tell us about the URC, mate. Edinburgh had a big win over the Bulls, didn't they? Oh, they did. It was a big game. Did you watch that one, Andy Rowe? No, I didn't. <laughs> Matt, I'll be honest, Jim. I saw the picture again that you put next to Bobby Skinstad up on your socials. How good? I mean, he looks great. Can we can we talk about that coat again? That coat's got to go. I'd rather the red velvet corduroy one that you wore a couple of weeks ago because that... Uh, don't you say that. <laughs> I paid 700 quid for that jacket. It might have been 400. <laughs> no, you did not. Yeah, 70. Let's just round it up to a, a, thousand, a thousand pounds. Is it expect- That's a tailor-made jacket. That ain't I tailored, ain't mate. much better. That ain't tailored. I mean, maybe- Are you kidding me? Maybe it got tailored for you when you were about 15, 20 kilos heavier than you are now because it looked like it was falling off you. The sleeves are too long. Oh. I'm, I'm like- They're not too long. I'm like, this week he's gone to the charity shop to get a jacket. What's he doing? Whereas Bobby Skinstad just looked the business. Well, anyway, on the URC, Andrew, the game was all right. The game was all right. It started to pish it done in the- Second half, but balls up physical, scrappy game, uh, good win for Edinburgh. Great stadium. Look, anyone listening, if they get a chance to go to Hashtag Always Edinburgh, I tell you now, it's a proper atmosphere there now. So for me to commentate there for Premier Sports, it's very good. What have I got for you? Ospreys. After Goody, you called them embarrassing last I think week. You was did. that me? I, I think you remember. did, James. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, they've listened. They've listened. They went over to Benetton and they beat them 29-26. Scarlets, mate. Oh, my Scarlets. They got a Ravo's arm. Yeah, they did. They did. Just. Just. Not that the just matters to them, but they got 50 pot on them by Leinster. So, I mean, it's Leinster. So, it doesn't really matter. And poor Dragons. Poor Dragons, mate. I talked them up last week. Yeah, well, you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have. They got beat by the Stormers. uh, 24-10. Yeah, Ulster. Good win against the Lions. Not playing amazing. Stevie Ferris, friend of the show, speaks about Ulster a lot, obviously, 
a slight bias there, but the standout from that was Will Addison, who's been playing awesome for them at the start of the season. Really nasty injury. So hopefully his recovery isn't too long and we wish him well. Yeah, certainly. Looked terrific. There's a bit of controversy in Munster's narrow win over Connick, wasn't there? I mean, in this day and age, and Munster fans listen to this, aren't probably going to enjoy it because Connacht going up to Munster is a, is a massive thing, isn't it? It's a big game. It's a local rivalry, in effect. How the Brian McNeese is the TMO. The try where Tygburn hacks it on, the crossfield kick comes in, Tygburn hacks it on. He's about five yards offside from the crossfield kick and how it's not been checked. So Brian McNeese is the TMO. Chris Busby is the ref. Frank Murphy's on the touch. Frank, mate. You're a good friend of ours, good friend of the show. Why has no one said, should we check that uh, Tygburn is not six yards offside? It's gone up a yard. It, I mean, it was the most blatant offside ever. And in a game that finishes up 20 points to 18, Connacht can feel really hard done by. Wins at, in Munster don't come too often for, for many teams. Um, Connacht battled and battled hard. And Munster weren't they, on the form they've been on. They were unbeaten in the... URC so far so you know and at home you hear some of the comments from the head coach afterwards saying that you know a Connacht team doesn't get many 50-50 calls going their way and you could see he's raging about the try it should never have been a try but that's not even a 50-50 that's the thing that's that's the thing around the URC and someone tweeted me about bagging the URC and talking up the Prem well I'm not bagging the URC but the Prem is better at the minute like it is across the board and across the board I mean the officiating the referees are getting better. There's no input from the TMO. Mm. Like the TMOs have got to be more active. They've got to they've, they've got to input some ideas. You know, they've got to be picking up stuff, and that that bit's got to improve anyway. Because, like I said, if that is a top level game, and I'm not saying that Munster Connor isn't a top level game, but I'm talking about towards the end of the season where it really, really matters. It matters now. Yeah. But in the eyes of the public, how are you missing that? Yeah. I'd like genuinely, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Connor would have won the game because obviously it ebbs and flows in different ways. However, different calls are made, but yeah, like happy to call it out. Uh, the officiating needs to marry up with the amount of work that's been put in to this new United Rugby Championship and the amount of effort the players and the teams are putting in. All right, well, should we have a have a little game, a little break from the code, and uh, play a bit of guess the go at? Yes. Is it going to be more difficult or not? Well, because it's it's, it's got ridiculously hard. From the start, and then now it's just it's embarrassingly easy. Well, you but keep getting you complained. Yeah, you keep getting the easy ones. Whose go is it? It's my go. It's Goody's go. Oh, uh, don't you? Look, he's looking down at his paper already. You have got a bit of paper with rugby, football, cricket, and all that. You've got it written down. <laughs> I don't know what you're on about. I generally don't know what you're on about. Generally, this is disgusting. <laughs> I haven't. No. Yeah, it's me, Andy Rowe. Guess the go. All at. right. Yeah, so it's Goat. Not necessarily Goat, but just a very famous sports star that everyone knows, okay? Okay, okay. All right. Is it a man? Yes. Rugby? No. Football? No. Golf? Yes. Oh, uh, Tiger Woods? No. Uh, Phil Mickelson? Oh. No. Jack Nicholas? No. Uh, oh, my God. Rory McIlroy? Yes. Yay! The panic. The panic. Oh. One over the weekend, actually. Big win for him. He did. He did. I did see that. Didn't see it. Didn't see it, to be honest. I did see that. I'm going to get into golf, actually. Shout out to Bobby Skinstad. Yeah. Not good for your back, though. But that's what I said. And Bobby said, it's all right. Go on, Andrew. You're a golfer. Go on. I'll be honest, mate. I play three times a week. And having seen you play, when you say you're going to get into golf, it's going to take a lot. Like, you need. Andrew, you saw me play having a drink on every hole slash two <laughs> drinks because I was with Andy Powell. And by the end, I'm facing the road with a queue or a club with a big end on it and someone said hit it. <laughs> and it has gone flying. That's, you can't judge it. You cannot judge a fellow human on that. I'd love to see you. The play. rotation was there. All I saw is the ball went flying. Arguably, it went over into Wales from London. But <laughs> totally. Anyway. Let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, let's. We're going to start off in France, and we're going to go to Lyon uh, because they became the first team to beat Toulouse this season, twenty-five nineteen on Sunday. So a massive tip of the slipper to them. Uh, what else was good? The Irish provinces: Leinster, Munster, Munster through a bit of luck and really bad officiating, but they still got the win. And Ulster, they're all four from four in the URC this season. 
so a fantastic effort from those boys. Those three teams are dominant this year again. What else was good? Newcastle, they saw off Bristol for their third win of the campaign. It was a pretty turgid affair, but a great win nonetheless for the Falcons. Exeter back to winning ways. Henry Slade looked absolute class at times, so uh, a big shout out to those boys. Uh, what else was good? Tom Curtis. I've got to give him a shout out because he's my mate's stepson, Dean Schofield's stepson. Scoey's out in Dubai as well, James, just to let you know. But um, yeah, Tom Curtis slotted a penalty on about 74 minutes for Sale Sharks after missing a crucial kick last week that could have won the game. Massive balls on him. It's a tough kick and he loved it. And he had blood pouring down his face at the same time. So he looked even better. So uh, massive shout out to Tom Curtis from Sale Sharks. But the good this week is going to be, I'm just trying to narrow it down, Jim, between two of my old clubs. Worcester? No, because they took nearly 50 did, at home. Did Breath win? No, Breve lost at home as well to La Rochelle. But so did Wasps. Wasps lost as well. They're not getting a mention either, Jim, even though we've just mentioned all oh. three of them. Mate, let's go with it now. You're a Leicester fan, aren't you? Well, they're not going to be the first team that I mention. Saracens get a mention in the goo this week, James. They're 70. Oh, my word. Demolition of Bath was phenomenal. The boys are on form. Jamie George, outstanding. Max Malin's man of the match. The boys. Uh, we, the boys, the boys were on you, form. You went to their dinner last week, Jim, and you're fully entrenched again in a Saracens family. You know, you've, you've you left... You say it. that, Andrew. My first question to Jamie George when I interviewed him from the stage, having just absolutely smashed it, was talk us about what's happened with England, thinking he'd be back in the squad. Yeah. And then he came back and ro- he came back and roasted me. So I'm not too sure he's talking to me. But anyway, it's your boys and it's your... No, no, no. I didn't say it. I didn't say they're my boys. I said I think I said your boys. The Jim. boys. Anyway, I will change it to your boys, Jim. Uh, but they were phenomenal down at Bath. But they don't win the Goud this week because they ain't top of the league, James. The Goud this week goes to Leicester Tigers. I thought it was a phenomenal performance. Yes, it was away at Worcester, but... Uh, from 1 to 15 and the subs that came on. Freddie Burns, me old chip and chase. Anything Marcus Smith can do, he can do as well. Um, the performance was just outstanding. Freddie Stewart at the back. Uh, we mentioned him at times. Nandolo had about six people trying to climb on his back to bring him down. He's getting offloads galore in. Uh, they're outstanding. Leicester's best ever start to the premiership season. Five from five. They're seven points clear at the top of the Prem. So a massive start from Steve Borthwick and the Leicester Tigers boys. So they get the good this week, James. Uh, the bad, a few bits of bad. Uh, Josh Navidi, we're going to start with him. Shoulder injury. Uh, he's going to be out for about five months and miss the autumn and six nations after having shoulder surgery. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, Will Addison's horrific injury at the weekend. We wish him all the best with his recovery. Um, it looked really bad, fairly innocuous position to be in, but we wish him all the best. That's pretty bad news. Uh, what else was bad? We just mentioned Leicester in the good, but they played against Worcester, one of my old clubs, James. Uh, they lost 48-3 at home to Leicester. Absolutely pants around their ankles. So that was pretty bad. Over in the URC, the Scarlets lost 50 points to 15 at Leinster. Uh. Um, not a great start to the season from the Scarlets. So they get a mention in the bad. What else is bad? I'm going to stick another club of mine that I used to play at, James. Breathe into the bad. And not the players. But brief president Simon Gillam was forced to apologise for the behaviour of some sections of the home crowd when Jules Plissant was kicking at goal in La Rochelle's ugly 8-6 victory over Breve in Breve on Saturday. So not a good look. For what them. were they doing? They were booing and hissing and jeering. And no, they were Yeah, they were. No, they were. And they, they were saying horrible things. No. Yeah. So Simon Gillam has come out and apologised uh, on their behalf. Uh, so that's not good. But the bad this week, uh, unfortunately, can only go to one team, one place, one city, one rugby club owned by Bruce Craig. And that has to be Bath. Getting their pants pulled. I mean, tell the skids that, Jim. Talk me through the skids of Bath Rugby Club at the weekend. If I was there, I would have the hoovers out and I would be sucking every pair of pants off them players. <laughs> I wouldn't even, I'd just be literally just hoovering them all up and being like, lads, it's a fresh start. You ain't wearing pants because you don't deserve to wear pants. <laughs> you don't even deserve to show anyone the skid marks on show. They're now gone. They're in the Dyson Hoover. Dyson's a great Hoover, apparently. Don't use it myself. Use a Henry the Hoover. But anyway, uh, there are other brands available. But that, anyway, that's what I would do. Fresh start is what I'm saying. Fresh start, no pants or fresh pants. Just use the Dysons. Anyway, Bath, they're going to get the bad this week. 71-17 defeat to the hands of Saracens at home. The third most points conceded by a team in Premiership history. Stuart Hooper, you've got a big week ahead of you this week. Uh, normally we go with the ugly. Uh, we're not going to go with the ugly this week. We're going to change it up to the sad, unfortunately. Um, and there's two bits of horrific news that have come out in the world of rugby over the weekend. Uh, first and foremost, close to home for myself and Jim Hamilton. Uh, friend of ours, ex-teammate of ours, Tom Youngs, 
Uh, unfortunately, his wife has fallen ill again, so Tom is taking some time away from the game to look after his family. So our thoughts are with Tom and Tiff uh, and the family at this very, very tough time. Um, and hopefully things can turn themselves around again. Uh, but also over in New Zealand, some horrific news that came out. Sean Wainui died in a car crash over the weekend. 25-year-old Maori All Black International. The tributes have been pouring in for him all over New Zealand and across the globe. Uh, the rugby family is pulling together. It's shocking news. Our thoughts go with him. He leaves his wife and two young children. Um, and hopefully their families can get behind them and support them very much at this very difficult time. So, uh, yeah, very sad news across the world this weekend. Thanks, Goody. And you've got a shout-out to finish off with, don't you, Jim? Yeah, off the back of sad news, which is in the world, there's people doing great things out there. So a big shout-out to Emmett Burns, who was diagnosed with stage 3 Hodgkin's lymphoma in May. Uh, he's been having chemo since then, but has still been going to the gym, uh, which has been his saving grace. And on October 25th, he's going to lift 10 tonnes during a workout by doing squats. Deadlifts, bench press, all in aid of the Irish Cancer Society at St. Vincent's Hospital in Dublin. He's calling it Emmett's 10-ton challenge and people can join in on Zoom or donate by visiting idonate.ie slash Emmett's 10-ton challenge or follow Emmett's 10-ton challenge on Instagram. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, producer Tristan, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rugby spot. Spotted pod, 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 pod. <laughs>